for as long as you say, I can't do such and such, when you put that out in the universe, you're right. For as long as you say, I can't do X, you will be correct. And the inverse is true. For as long as you say, or when you choose to say, I can do this, that, or the other thing, you will also be correct. That will happen. And you will be capable of doing this thing. But for sure, if you're choosing can't, you're choosing not to be capable. And you're really putting it out in the universe that, yeah, I, I give up. I can't. And so that it can be powerful. Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so happy you're here with me. I just returned from PodFest yesterday. It is a podcasting conference, and I got to spend four days immersed in the world of podcasting. I met some amazing people, got to spend time with my daughter, who is my co-host on the Digital Dreamer podcast, and it was just an overall outstanding time. But our trip got off to a bumpy start. We got to the airport early because I cannot stand the stress of rushing through the airport, wondering if you're going to beat the clock and get through security in time to get on the plane. So we got there early and we decided to go to a Mexican restaurant and have some margaritas to celebrate the kickoff, the start of our trip. And the server sets my drink down and they are very strong margaritas. Like all I can taste is the tequila. And I've only taken two teeny tiny sips when Abby asks me for some hand sanitizer. So I go to grab my backpack and my whole elbow swipes across the drink as I'm grabbing my backpack. Since the margarita flying off the table, all over the floor and onto my lap. And because I hate to carry extra baggage through the airport, my luggage, which also contains a week's worth of clothes, has already been checked. So I run to the restroom and I try to get the stickiness off my phone and use paper towels and the hand dryer to clean myself up. And I go back to the restaurant where there was a fresh drink waiting for me. So that was super awesome because the server was very nice. But Abby said that she did kind of grumble about having to clean up the just massive amount of, it was a full drink I spilled. But anyway, I was very, very thankful for the fresh drink. I was uncomfortable wearing wet clothes and I whined a little bit because I was really uncomfortable. I hate wet clothes. I hate that feeling. Like I won't even reuse a swimming suit if it's slightly damp. So I was not very happy about it. But I was mostly worried that the person who sat next to me on the flight would have to smell tequila for two and a half hours. And I just didn't want to annoy somebody that much. But anyway, it was funny. Like I can see how from the outside looking in, all the women in the restroom as I was cleaning myself up, kind of laughed. They chuckled. I think they kind of felt my pain. And so it was like also just a nice bonding moment because you know how women's restroom lines are always so long and either you have two ways things go. People chit chat 
or they're grumpy. So hopefully I brightened everybody else's day with my saga of the tequila drenched workout pants. So that was the first thing that happened. And then the second thing that kind of got us off to a rocky start was on the first day, we got through all the morning sessions and we headed back to our room for the lunch break. And Abby realizes that there's something wrong with the pants she has on. We have three dogs and two of them love to get into our dirty laundry and pull on, let's call them treasures to chew on. So we get back to the room and she realizes that there are holes in the crotch of her pants, the size of a small dog's mouth. And at first she's mortified because she's like, I've been walking around like this all day. And I assured her that there was no way that anybody saw this unless she was sitting with her legs. Well, kind of like if she had been sitting like with a man spreading on the subway kind of motion action. Like that pose, definitely, definitely she would have seen. But, you know, she was sitting at a table Legs crossed, so she was cool. Anyway, she's only brought one pair of jeans, and she's suddenly feeling like maybe she wants to wear jeans for the rest of the conference. Maybe we brought clothes that were going to make her feel like she was overdressed. We also don't have a rental car because I decided we wanted to save money because the last time our rental car stayed parked the entire time. And for the most part, that was true. Again, we barely left the hotel. But anyway, so she gets online. She goes to look to see how far away the mall is. There's one that's fairly close. She calls an Uber, goes to her favorite store, the one where the actual jeans came from. She knows her size, so she basically walks in, grabs the jeans, tries them on, and walks out. I mean, pays and walks out. And then she's back with the new jeans on her body right as the afternoon sessions were starting. So that was super cool because it really alleviated a lot of stress. But what I loved about it was She didn't drag it out. She didn't stress about it. She's just like, okay, let's solve the problem and move on. And we talk a lot about mindset and positivity around here. And I know it's something I'm always working on to try to get better at myself. Uh, We could have let both of those things ruin our days or have us bringing negative energy and a negative mindset into our conference experience. But instead, in each situation, we chose to address the problem to the best of our ability, and then we just forgot about it and continued on. And I seriously, I look back down, I'm like, yeah, you know, how often do you let something like getting stuck in traffic or, you know, whatever your your, your dog chases a bunny and brings a dead bunny into your kitchen right before you leave for work, or, or that's a horrible example. But anyway, how often do we let the negative things in our lives dictate how our day is going to go? So I really, really loved, I thought that was a great example just of letting the stress roll right off you, moving on, so that you can keep the little things little and focus on what's truly important in life. And we were there to have a great, great conference experience, meet great people, and learn a lot. So so that was amazing. We learned a lot, but most importantly, we really did meet some just super cool people, um, some of whom I hope to eventually have on this show to inspire you too. But now I want to talk about today's main focus, the words we choose. Words are powerful. They can uplift, inspire, and motivate, but they can also hurt, diminish, and tear down. The words we choose and the way they use them can shape our reality, impact our relationships, and determine our success in life. 
And so whether we realize it or not, our words hold immense power, and it's up to us to harness that power for good. Today, I'm excited to share the interview I did with Terry Short. Terry is a renowned author, speaker, and expert in human potential with over 30 years experience. She holds a master's in business administration, healthcare management, and is a certified professional coach and a neuromindfulness practitioner. Terry's passion for language and its impact on our lives led to the publication of her book, The Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Why Words Matter. In this book, she provides insights and practical strategies for using intentional word choice to connect with values and intention and transform performance, relationships, and life. Listen as Terry shares her expertise and provides actionable tips so you can harness the power of language in your own life. For more information about Terry and her work, visit thrivingleadercollaborative.com. Welcome to the show, Terry. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh my gosh, Kim, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here and talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. So we're going to talk today about the words that we choose. Can you give us a high-level overview about what is the significance about the words that we use? Well, I wrote a whole book about it. I think it's so important. Awesome. (laughs) The book's called The Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Why Words Matter. And, you know, I, from my perspective, they, they matter in many circumstances. And the way that I decided to pull this together in the book is that first and foremost, that, that's a chapter one, they matter in what we tell ourselves, right? And the stories that we come to believe about ourselves. So that's the whole first chapter. And then there's with loved ones, because sometimes as you age and, and develop or evolve, um, there are words that become triggers just based on experience and history and such. And so loved ones, super important how you choose those words. And then in the world at large, and so words that might represent unknowingly, sometimes ageism, sexism, racism, you know, so just sort of all the trickiness, gender identity. So there's the fiction about ways in which we can almost trip ourselves up, right? And so that's important. And then in the workplace, how you have a we-they culture when you don't choose your words properly and just different things along those lines and how you can turn off customers or attract customers. And then I do the words matter in how we communicate in social media. I mean, sometimes now we're choosing a, an emoji to communicate. If not even oh, so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. We have a client who is a nutritionist who works with mostly with people who have eating disorders like athletes who have eating disorders, very specific. And so we've done a lot of content lately directed at coaches about the words that they use. Or like you go to the gym and you think about all the different things that the trainer might be saying or the group fitness coach might be saying this time of year that really, I think they're habitual. They're, somebody in the industry has told them to use those words. But when you think about it, they're really not the most empowering words that we could be filling somebody's head with. Right. And that's kind of my, the point in the book is that let's pause, even if it's a nanosecond, you can already tell I'm a very fast talker. (laughs) So if I'm going to pause and consider what's about to come out of my mouth, that's a nanosecond. And my contention is that we need to do a better job of marrying what's in my head and what's in my heart 
and having the right thing then come out of my mouth. So often we go with what's in our head. Like you said, the trainer had the the story, this narrative in their head, but maybe they're not connecting what's in their heart and might be more appropriate for the person in front of them. I noticed even yesterday mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody and it was just the position. I was talking to them on my bed and I was laying back and I was responding to something they said. And what came out of my mouth had no enthusiasm. And it sounded like, oh, yeah, great idea. And I caught myself. And I said, oh, my gosh, that is not how I wanted you to hear that. Yeah. I mean, is that the kind of stuff we're talking about? Absolutely. And so what you just did there is you reconnected with your intention. So the, so you you paused long enough to, after you said what you said. It got out. It got out of your mouth. <laughs> after it got out of your mouth, you had um, that um, recognition that what you said or how you said it was not aligned with your intention. So I must say that a hundred times in the book, you know, that 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 alignment with your intention and with your values sometimes when you're at work, that you're speaking, that's the part from your heart. If you're coming from your heart, you're aligned with what you intend to convey to that person. And what happens is we, for whatever reason, for conditioning or what have you, we choose words even for ourselves that are minimizing and limiting as opposed to ones that are uplifting and inspiring. So I have a little list of those words you'd like to. Yes. Look under the hood, so to speak. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Share it. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I created a oligo. I created this a sentence, right? So let's, I'm going to encourage your listeners to write this sentence down because it includes, I put all the words together to make a sentence. Okay, cool. So here's my sentence. I will when I want and I get that I can. So if you remove all the eyes, there are four eyes in there and you remove the word that. You're left with will, when, want, and get, and can. And so I will now illustrate, like one by one, how how to replace those words, okay? Right. Or how those words, what those words replace, because these are the these are the uplifting, inspiring words, and they're going to replace the others. So I want to okay. put in everybody's mind the good words. Like, okay, get yeah. the good words. Yeah. Okay. So will. Will replaces might or probably. So I'm a leadership coach. Oh my gosh, Kim, I listen to clients all the time say, well, you know, we'll probably meet our goals or, you know, we might be able to do that in Q4. I think, well, gosh, if you don't know, who does? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a leader, right? So it's not very inspiring to choose might or probably and um, will. We will do this. Or even if you're unsure, then to put the, the lack of surety in a um, in a fraction, let's say, like seventy five percent sure that we will do X. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. So when when replaces if. So during COVID, we talked a lot about if we ever see our family again, if we ever get to travel. Right? <laughs> not inspiring. Doesn't doesn't spark any kind of hope. And so switching if not with when. You know, when when we're able to accomplish that or when we take our next vacation, it's much more uplifting and much more hopeful. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What replaces should. So you've heard people say before, don't don't should me or don't should on me and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's, you know, should even our internal narrative should um, holds us up because should implies that somebody else is, is dictating that. 
I should do this means that I'm not owning it and potentially somebody else is making that rule or making that requirement, right? That I should do something. And so mm-hmm. abandon should altogether because it doesn't, it just doesn't serve us. It's much more appropriate to want to do something than to be doing it because somebody or society or whomever said we should, right? Mm-hmm. Air quotes for the mm-hmm. listeners. <laughs> uh, the next one is end. End replaces but. So, but I think of but as the, the scissors, but sort of severs whatever went before, whatever it is, even if it's something super important that I want to tell you about. We're in a business setting and I want to tell you about a project that's coming to completion. And I start to tell you and I say, but we're going to have to consider this and that, that I'm, I've severed the importance than what I just said, right? I've so I always to- loved that example about how you put but in. Even when you're giving an apology and you throw butt in there and all of a sudden they're like, oh, so you didn't mean everything you said on the other side of the butt? Yep. You just negated it. Yeah. Just negated it. Whereas when you say and, even if it's something adverse, you know, so let's say you're talking about something at work and you say, but we're going to need some more resources, you know, or the only way we're going to be able to do that, you know, but, but this, and you want to say, but, but there's this, but, you know, there's this, there's this thing that's important. It's okay to say, and we have an opportunity to consider adding resources, right? So in that example, when you use and instead of but, it sounds to me like it's almost also like you're expecting, and I'm going to need some additional resources, and I expect your help to... And you are, and you're what you're really doing is as opposed to severing you're connecting the original thought mm-hmm. to the next thought. So it's much more collaborative, right? You're connecting. Collaborative. Sort of That's together. what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. You're taping together that we're, this thought, yes, has value. And so does this thought about the resources. You know, and allow me to connect them together and we'll collaborate on this. Yeah. Much more, much more powerful, right? So um, get one of my favorites. Um, we walk around all day, every day, saying that we have to do this, that, and the other thing. And when you think about the impact of that, when you say even I have to pick the kids up after school, that implies a burden. It does, right? As opposed to saying, I get to pick the kids up after school and have 30 minutes of quality time with them on the drive home. Because there is value and we see it. And as a parent, you feel that, but it comes out as, I have to do this. And I have to do that. That's so funny. The example you chose was the exact one that goes through my mind on the have to get to thing is we we've sometimes get in this habit where we feel like shuttling the kids around is a chore. And I think most moms or caregivers would agree that that is like a super special secret time where you get them all to yourselves and the keys to their world, they just open up. Maybe not every time, but it's like a special time. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it is. And it's yeah, right, not always. There is actually another little section in the book that I offer some um more powerful questions to ask during that time to get children to open up, right? And so that you're not asking yes, no questions and you're you're um inviting more of a dialogue, right? And my other thing about that, and Kim, is that it goes in the blink of an eye. I mean, you have 
college age students like that, you know, poof, and it's gone. So it isn't a burden, right? I know. Don't you just hate where you people would say that to you and you would just look at them like, I am in the middle of it. Life is really hard. Don't tell me it goes and then graduation comes and you're like, oh boy, they, they were, were right. They were so right. That's exactly right. I stop myself from saying it to people now. I look at them struggling with the toddlers and I so want to say, blink of an eye, blink of an eye. Because sometimes you want to uplift them by saying that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I hear you that. And when you're in the throes of it, it sounds like, yeah, right. (laughs) Not so much. All right. The last one is super easy. And that is can replace this can't. So you've probably seen that image before where somebody just cuts the apostrophe and the T off. Mm-hmm. That, that Here's the deal with behind that. Is that for as long as you say, I can't do such and such, you know, and you put that out in the universe or you tell your spouse or, you know, your kids or coworkers, you're right. For as long as you say, I can't do X, you will be correct. And the inverse is true. For as long as you say, or when you choose to say, I can do this side or the other thing. You will also be correct. That will happen. And you will be capable of doing this thing. But for sure, if you're choosing can't, you're choosing not to be capable. And you're you're really putting it out in the universe that, yeah, I, I give up. I can't. And so that it can be powerful. Yeah, I love all those examples. Are you looking to build a business and live life on your own terms? Look no further than the Digital Dreamer podcast. Join my daughter, Abby, and I as we discuss side hustles, building your brand, digital strategies for connecting with your audience, and selling digital products, and so much more. Get the link in the show notes or search the Digital Dreamer podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to take control of your future. So now let's move on to, you talk about owning your personal podcast. Can you talk about what that means and then how these words that you just went through relate to that? Absolutely. So your personal podcast, I think I thought about this one day. I thought, okay, everybody has their earbuds in or their headphones on and they're walking around listening to podcasts, which is great. Very good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast for people to be busy listening to. The reality is, we're also listening to our own personal podcast, you know, 24-7. I mean, I was listening to mine at three this morning and couldn't, couldn't get it to turn off. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get it uh, silent enough, right, to go back to sleep. So here's the deal. You're the producer, director, the narrator, the host. You get to decide who comes on. You get to decide how long the conversation goes. And so we don't take that seriously enough. You know, you allow whatever, your mother on or, you know, whatever, somebody that you, know, you go, wait a minute. And I contend that you, you're more in control than you realize. And so take back that control and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I get to decide who's on this personal podcast today. And it is not so, so-and-so, maybe a coworker that's been um, filled with negative energy as of late, right? So I say, wait a minute, having this person in my internal narrative or my personal podcast, that does, serves no good. It does not serve me. And I'm I'm going to turn that person off. Go to somebody else's channel. I'm going to invite them to go elsewhere and and not listen to that. But then it's also true for ourselves. So back to the word choices that what the stories that we tell ourselves, we've all heard of somebody in our lives that 
was told at a young age they couldn't write or they weren't an artist or they couldn't do whatever. And then they went on to have a career, but they they know that story. They had to overcome. Do you know somebody that has like something that they were told they couldn't, 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 and they had to overcome it because that narrative played? Yeah. One of my daughters right now is in nursing school and she was a really, it just had tons of illnesses, tons of things that went wrong with her, just random things. But she missed a lot of school growing up. And so she started believing that she wasn't smart and she had teachers who treated her like she wasn't smart. And so when she decided she was going to go to nursing school, it was kind of a, are you sure? Are you sure you want to commit to this? Are you sure you can do this? She just had a lot of internal things to overcome because she had always had these people trying to you know, feed into this narrative that she wasn't smart enough for a math and science type degree. Yeah. So she allowed that to be part of her personal podcast, the different people and the, and the voices that came onto the show and <laughs> wanted to tell her that wasn't the case. And so it's not always easy to combat that those individuals that are um, coming on. The first step is to say, wait a minute, how does this serve me? How does, how does repeating this narrative, allowing this to play over and over in my podcast, how does it serve me? And if it doesn't, if it no longer serves me, then away with it, right? And I and and way easier to do away with it and replace it with what you do believe than to just stay away with it, right? So replace it with the positive narrative so that when there's a trigger and let's say she takes a test and she gets to the end of the test and she gets a 75 and she goes, oh, wait a minute, maybe they were right. You know, it's like, a, so maybe she didn't study enough. Or maybe she missed a couple of lectures and that's why she got the 75. But immediately the trigger, trigger will be, they were right. You know, I'm not doing as well. I should have done better and I, I know what have you. And when that happens, that's when she needs to be reinforcing her own personal podcast with what she does believe to be true, what she can do. And that that's when, that, that's when those words are so important to help change the narrative and therefore help change her direction. Yeah, I love all these examples. Okay, you have a statistic that I saw on your Facebook page. And according to Gallup's State of the Global Workplace 2022 report, only 33% of the global workplace are thriving in their overall well-being. Why is that? 33% is super low. Super low, super low. So there, you know, some of it's the heels of the pandemic and, um, and disruption to the workplace. So that's a big piece of it is work from home, come back to the office, have a hybrid situation. You know, there's a, a lot going on right now in, in the workspace that, and now this is, this report was done before 100,000 layoffs happened recently, right? So it's really a, from COVID time, there's, an, there's a, been a negative or a downward spiral. And when the spiral happens, that's again when my word choices, particularly for my personal podcast comes in play, right? So I start to believe what's in my workplace or in the media or in social media. And then that all breeds that spiral down. And each of our jobs as we evolve as humans is to stop the negative spiral down as soon as we can. You know, maybe it starts, but then to head back off in the right direction. I recently been a part of a positive intelligence. There's 
anyway, there's this whole group. And I, I really very much believe what the main guy says. And he says that, you know, emotions and the negativity and some of these thoughts that we have serve a purpose, like just as putting your hand on a hot stove, sort of like put the hand and then you learn. But it's like that spiral. It's a matter of remove it right away. Like get, take the learning and remove it right away. And so when you think about the spiral down that I'm talking about, stop it. Stop that downward spiral as soon as possible to head back up. And how you do that is you, you consider the learning. So in any negative circumstance, I believe there are three parts to reframing. And you're, this is all about choosing the right word. So I have this negative thing. Let's say I lost the job. What's something? So the three things are what's something positive to come out of this? And I try to have, I operate in three. So what are three positives to come out of this? And based on those three positives, what are three things I stand to learn about myself, about my previous work situation, about whatever? And then based on the, the positives and the three learnings, how does that inform how I'll respond? And then that piece, how now I'm going to respond, is what um, instigates, let's say, the spiral going back up again. So getting the folks that are languishing, that 33%, to thriving. And that's a great deal, Kim, of what I coach and, you know, what's, what, what I basically believe I'm here on this earth with a mission to do is to help people go back into this place of thriving. So do you think it's possible for, let's go with the employee who is just in a really, really bad spot like we're talking about, is it possible for them to, on their own or by working with a coach or somebody like you, to do this? on their own or does their manager or somebody in their company, I mean, what if it really is a horrible work environment? What if it truly is oppressive? How, but, but let's say you also are not in a position where you can quit your job tomorrow. Eh. How, how do you make this work for you so that you can stay there until you can get yourself in a new situation? An excellent question. And I think it's something that's important to a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I find myself saying sometimes to my clients, I'll say, well, and I hope I don't coach your boss, <laughs> right? Which there have been circumstances where I'm like, and I wish I did. Mm-hmm. So I, the, fo- the answer is yes. The person can um, get out of their negative spiral. It's a choice. And so for them to choose to pay attention to what they can control. So what they can control. And so building back to that reframing, building upon the positives and the learning and therefore how they're going to respond. So there's coaching involved in bringing out their innate potential, regardless of the circumstance. Like, what is it that they can control, that they do well, that does bring them joy? And then I personally do a bit of coaching of how you then highlight these things and the essence of who you are to your boss and to other key stakeholders. because can't fix it, what they're, what's going on with them. But that doesn't mean that me as the individual contributor can't manage myself and the team and our work and our contributions up. So you can help to start making a little change in a toxic environment. And do you cover, and, this, do you cover this more in depth in your book? I don't. No, I don't do that. That's the next book, Kim. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, I do that more with my uh, individual coaching and my team coaching and such. And I also host a retreat once a year that helps um, helps an individual 
create the transformation that they need personally to be able to be successful in any environment. And I feel like that is so needed right now. Sure. Just the the state of the world. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday where all these people keep saying we're headed toward a recession. But I heard somebody actually say yesterday we're headed toward a deep depression, which that was the first time I had heard. And if that is true, or even a piece of that is true, we have a lot more people that are going to be in that position where they're either unhappy at their jobs or they've lost their job and have these expectations to manage. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is that it forces the person to take the look inward and figure out what's really important to them and then come back to a place of thriving. From my perspective, I wish it didn't take, you know, I wish that we were, I wish we were wired to have that inner, that look inward more routinely. So that's actually what I try to coach is like how to sustain that so that recession, depression, any mission, (laughs) anything, and you're able to maintain and to thrive because you're tapped into your own inner wisdom and your values and what's important to you so that the the world can cut, you know, throw you all kinds of, you know, tomatoes and rotten things and you can still end up on the upside. To me, do you have any tips that you can share on how you do that? How do you keep that positive frame of mind going when it feels like there's just the storm going on around you? Yeah, the, the, the key thing is the reframing that I told you. And I don't, I can say at the end, if people go to our website, we give those things away for free. So the reframing document that, that, um, because we want everybody to be thriving, right? So the reframing document that teases out the three things. What are three positives? What are three learnings? And then how does that inform how I go forward? And you can do that for any circumstance. You can do that for just got laid off, big circumstance, or um, unable to buy the new house. Well, that's kind of a big one too, but you can do it for anything. You could do it for um, new person added to the team. The last person I would have cho- chosen to to be on the team, you know, I we had a history or whatever, you can still say, what are the positives? What am I learning potentially about myself? And now how does that inform how I'm going to respond and how I'm going to carry on? And that, the, what's so important about that is that's empowering. Those three things that I'm saying are, that's what you can control. So the, the reframing sets you up personally for success, regardless of what's going on around, right? Or even in spite of, in spite of. Okay, one last question about the words that we choose. How can we use the words that we choose or how do we choose words? How do we use our words to deepen the relationships and the connections that we have with people that are important to us or even people at work? Yeah, love it. Okay, so I want to talk then about the difference between being interested and interesting. Okay. Yeah, and that that's something that I personally have have had to learn. And kind of over and over again, and it just in cycles in my life. So, so I'm going to deepen the relationship when I'm in it to be more interested in the individual than being interesting myself, right? Which means show more, tell less, um, ask more, talk less, right? Listen more, talk less, those types mm-hmm. of things. And how you do that. So it's really about cultivating curiosity. 
That's what you're doing. To be more interested, you're cultivating curiosity, which is all wrapped up in asking better questions. So I alluded earlier to the asking better questions of the kids in the car. So here's the tip on that. The question should start with what, how, or tell me. Tell me is more of a statement, but it still goes in the right direction. If you start with what or how, it's open-ended or tell me. It's open-ended. So you're not asking a yes, no question. So often we say, um, you know, did you complete this or, you know, what have you? And it's yes, no. And then the other thing that we do is we ask why. And when we say, um, why won't the project be done on time? We're immediately people assume judgment, right? So whenever we say why, why did you vote for that candidate? I might not be judging. I just might want to know, but it mm-hmm. implies judgment when I say why. Whereas when I start with what or how, it implies curiosity and a, and a seeking deeper understanding. And then um, tell me how you came to this conclusion or what's important to you or what you value about this. And then the, the cl- next piece to that. So you ask what, how, and tell me. The person says something. This is how you deepen the relationship. They say whatever, whatever it is that they say. You force yourself to say, tell me more. Lean in and say, tell me more. And I, I'm on a mission, as you might be able to tell, to get many more people to do that so that we're deepening the relationship by way of the words that we choose. And then part of communicating well is listening well, too, right? I think that is also interesting. It makes me think that, you know, we talked about the time in the car. I think another time that this makes sense is around the dinner table. If your family has family dinners, I mm-hmm. think that for me, I think we never had those kind of conversations growing up. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that maybe wasn't modeled for me. And so I'm always interested in this because how do you learn those things if they don't happen in your home? When you're a kid, where do you go to learn that? Oh, like, I, I should be asking deeper questions of the people around me. That's right. That's right. I didn't have it either. My Basically, what went on in my house is my father, you didn't speak until you were spoken to. You're going to love this. And then, and then he went person to person. And so I talked so fast and I wanted to tell about my whole day. How was your day? My brother would say, fine. There's some questions you ask. It was a how question, right? But it invokes a monosyllabic answer, right? So instead of saying, what was instead to say, what was the most um, fun part of your day today? Or what did you like best about your day today? Instead of how was your day? And the person says, fine. Well, my brother would always just say fine. And I would think to myself, could I have his time? Because (laughs) I pushed my whole day into the two minutes that I was allotted. Anyway, so yeah, we need to be better. Uh, We get to be better at doing that as we evolve. This also, what you were talking about, reminds me, I have a friend who's a speech pathologist and she works with little, like preschoolers. And during the pandemic, she was working a lot with families over Zoom. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. doing speech pathology over Zoom with preschoolers? No. She was amazing at it. And I could have the details of her story wrong, but the essence is there was a little girl who wouldn't talk. And she, the friend of mine realized that the family wasn't giving the little girl space to talk. And so I think she came up with something like, the speaker at the dinner table is going to hold this wooden spoon. Yeah. And when yeah. it's your turn, 
You talk as long as that spoon is in your hand. And what that did was it made the family actually have to slow down and give her the time to get her thoughts out, which I thought was such a brilliant idea. I love it. Yeah, that's really, that's really great. And that's a great thing to do when you're in a group or with a team to have the talking stick so that, so that it's inclusive because there's always the person on the team that holds back because they're unsure about their idea and this and that. Well, there's no way to be sure about your idea unless you speak up. So having the, some people have like a the speaking stick. I love it. That was brilliant on her behalf. I'm always the one that says, can I just email you the ideas that I didn't get to say because everybody's talking over each other and I can't function that way. Yeah. Which probably isn't the best way to function in a work environment either. Right. Yeah. No, it, it takes a lot of energy to be a mm-hmm. part of. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that you would like to share with the audience that I have not asked you yet? Well, just sort of my my closing is that um, yours is the voice of humankind. I mean, everybody that's listening right now, like that's what I have to say to your audience. Yours is the voice of humankind. And so please use it well. And how can they find you? What would you where would you like them to go for resources or more information to connect with you? Yes, thank you. There are a lot of free resources at thrivingleadercollaborative.com. And feel free to reach out to me directly. It's Terry, spelled T-E-R-R-E, at thrivinglc.com. Well, thank you so much. This was a great conversation, very enlightening. Lots of strategies and things that people can actually put into action immediately to make some improvements in their life. So I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. It was my honor. I appreciate it, Kim. Thank you for joining me for Season 4 of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.